But the uh, theme for Spring Harvest this year, Sue and I went earlier this year to Spring Harvest, not been for quite a number of years, and uh, I was taken by the theme, this idea uh, that God has immeasurably more for us than we can ask or imagine. So I'm hoping that you're here this morning because you actually want more. Uh, You want more of Jesus in your life. Uh, You want to know more about God. Uh, That's why we gather here. Uh, That's Chris Rogers, uh, whose book, uh, Immeasurably More, which this uh, theme again is based on. And of course, it's this passage at the end of that passage that Peter read to us, uh, where Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to his power that is at work within us. So movement one, a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking about uh, the movement of being higher, of, uh, of looking higher, and uh, we talked about, you know, do we worship a miniature God? And we talked about the, uh, the tendency for humans uh, to uh, miniaturize God so that we can uh, cope and deal because we know that God is so much bigger uh, than our imaginations. And we said, do we need to regain a sense of wonder about God? You know, have we lost that sense of wonder? Have we made God so small that he's become our mate and our friend, uh, but we've lost that sense of awe and wonder that we need to have of, of God? And uh, we remind ourselves uh, that with God there is always immeasurably more. That was the, the higher. And then uh, movement two was about closer. It was the fact, you know, that God is always moving towards us. Often we move away from God, but God's movement is always towards us. And we talked about a close encounter of a religious kind, and we talked about the the positives and negatives about about, uh, being religious. Uh, We talked about a close encounter beyond religion. We talked about moving beyond just the things that we do to actually experiencing God uh, in our worship and we reminded ourselves again that God is always closer than we think. And uh, this morning, you know, know that God is, is close to you this morning. You might not feel close to God, uh, but God is close to you. And because we're moving on to movement three, but before we do that, we've been encouraging people to share a little bit of testimonies. Uh, about something of their experience of God because we want people to see you know that people experience God in different ways we do miniaturize God and we do put God in a box and we say this is how you experience God and and, and, and as if there's no other way and we're encouraging people to give testimonies had a wonderful testimony from Bob last week and uh, Roz has kindly volunteered to to share something this week so I'm just going to ask Roz to come and uh, share something of her experience thank you well I love going on retreats and um, especially silent retreats and uh, I just feel it's time away where I can just be with God Um, and I gain such a lot from from going on retreats it's it's just where you can put aside all all other things that are going on and you can just zoom in and um, listen to God and hear his voice Um, but I just felt I should share something that really touched me when I was on one of my retreats and um, it's not it's it's something from somebody else actually but I just 
I just felt I needed to share it. And so I hope it speaks to someone today. Um, This lady's husband um, had got to a stage in his life when he was so poorly. um, she, She isn't able to look after him at home anymore. And this is what she writes. It's called, she, she calls it the decision. The new year of 2010 had begun. The winter sky had clothed the earth in a pure white blanket. Breathtakingly beautiful at first. But now dirty, slushy, cold and dangerous underfoot. It reminded me of my own current outlook on life ahead. Dark thought clouds scudding across my mind, hiding any hint of blue, white or gold. My husband was in hospital, waiting for a place in a nursing home. My heart felt like lead, my mind crammed full of chaotic what-ifs, screaming against decisions already made, praying, begging, looking for a miracle, hoping for a change of plan, seemingly to no avail. Each morning, we that is, me and Ted the dog, would set off on our familiar walk. We knew the path so well. The lilac tree planted on Limby Station, a platform there that's no longer. The waterlogged ditch we jumped over and the path leading to the hawthorn bush. That oh-so-special place. My meeting point with Jesus. Now in winter, the bush looks stark, bare, old and grisly. Closer inspection would have found buds tightly curled against the harsh, biting winds of winter. But its general appearance, at a glance, was just a dead-looking bush. This was the place where the path veered to the left, running down a slope to the gate at the bottom. The path was narrow. On one side, the bank rose steeply. Other hawthorn bushes running alongside with prickly, sword-like spears warding off unwelcome visitors, whilst yet protecting perfect buds. The embankment on the other side ran ran down to the railway. It was overgrown with long grass, weeds and hidden, dangerous, deep, boggy areas. Ted would run on in front. No room for side by side. No choice either but to stay on this path in order to reach the lane through the gate at the bottom. Like the path my life had taken... It was just like that, no choice but to walk it. My husband, Ron, would be taken from me to live elsewhere. 
In the depths of despair, I was shown a new way. I could not choose another path. I had to keep to the paths before me. But I could choose how I walk them. On my walk with Ted the dog, I would stop at the special hawthorn bush where the path branched off. There, I would meet with Jesus. My mind would empty itself of darkness, fear, anxiety and care. That special place, you might have a special place where you meet with Jesus. I have a special place. I call my place with him. Linking arms with Jesus, he and I would dance, skip, sometimes sing, all the way down the path, through the gate to the lane. A short journey, but bringing a burst of sunshine and joy, scattering the clouds, dispelling the darkness. Walking my own pathway on life's journey, I also have a choice. I visit my husband daily, and we share a special time together. We hold hands, we kiss, we laugh, we love. I cannot take another path, this is the only one. But I do have a choice in how I walk it. Okay, thanks, uh, thanks Ros, for sharing that. And uh, again, we, you know, if you've got a testimony, we do want to, uh, to hear from people. Uh, each week during this series uh, about uh, your experience of God. Well, Movement Free is, uh, is a movement that takes us deeper. Movement Free is a, a movement that's going to take us deeper. Uh, Paul says, I pray that out of this glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of fullness of God. So we're thinking about that deeper, that idea of the fact that we are rooted in Christ's love. Movement free is deeper. Question. Are you rooted in love? Are you rooted in love? You might respond to me by saying, well, well, how would we know? How would we know? One of the ways you can tell whether you're rooted in love is how you react. How do you react to people? Do you find people irritating? Do you, uh, do you find yourself responding in irritation or do you find yourself responding in compassion? When you see those, those lines of refugees uh, making their way across Europe, facing all these difficulties, uh, what's your reaction? Some people say, well, they, they should go back to where they came from. Other people say we should open up our, our countries and our homes to welcome them in. If we're rooted in love our reaction will come out of that love that we are rooted in. Are we rooted in love? Well, um, 
The first thing I want to talk about is, is having deeper roots. Uh, Peter's already uh, kind of introduced that theme with, uh, with the wonderful pictures of all those different uh, roots um, that uh, different plants and, and vegetation has. And uh, we want our deeper roots to be in God. We want our deeper roots to be in God. Roots have to grow down before a tree can grow up. Roots have to grow down before a tree can grow up. Roots are the things that normally we don't see. We don't see the roots. We just see the plants, the trees, and uh, we don't normally see them. And it's great that that, uh, we saw those pictures to remind ourselves and to remind ourselves of, of the purpose and reason for plants having roots, that they're reaching down into the depths of the earth to try and find that nourishment and that water that they need to not only uh, produce fruit, but to survive and to live. And we want our roots to be deep in God. Sometimes um, people think that uh, when the New Testament writers are are writing, um, that they use images that refer back to images that people will be aware of in the Old Testament, in God's story of of God's people. And in this passage from Ephesians, Paul uses this word root. And uh, some people think this might be a nudge to an earlier prophetic image found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes this, he says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah uh, uses this image um, of uh, of people saying that they're even like bushes in the wasteland, like people who've planted themselves in the belief that the humankind has the answers and they trust in what people can offer. And he contrasts that with this idea of trees that have deep roots. And he says if we establish ourselves with deep roots in God, then like a tree... We will find that nourishment when the drought comes. Notice these these two plants, the bush and the tree, they're in the same environment. And yet one struggles and one gets blown around and the other is able to survive and not only survive, but to produce fruit. In a time of drought... Uh, we see how deep our roots go. It's in those times of drought that we actually discover how deep our roots go in God. It's those times when we face difficulties, hardships, that we actually discover whether our lives are really rooted in God or not, whether we're still able to be nourished 
and encouraged, even though we're living in a harsh environment. I don't know a lot about plants. I meant to actually, I think I will. I'll show you my one plant. This is is somewhat of a a miracle plant and you, you can see its roots. Believe it or not, I've had this plant for 10 years. I have not got green fingers. This plant has survived somehow on the meager nourishment and the times when I've actually remembered to water it. And last year, for the first time, it actually produced a flower, a lily. First time, I've had it for 10 years and it actually produced something. Um, Plants that, that, that are, and, and trees that are, that, that, are, that are growing in places where it's very damp and very wet, like Lum and Rosendale, uh, don't need to have deep roots. Those that are planted and, 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 and live in places that are very harsh and, and don't have a lot of water develop over time very deep roots. Because they need to the deep roots to find that nourishment and that food. In the story of the, the sower that Jesus tells in Matthew, um, it says that the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. And again, it's that idea that we only discover how deep our roots are when we face trouble. Sadly, so many people do fall away when they're faced with trouble, don't they? And, and, and it, it may be that you found yourself in that situation where, where the harshness of circumstances, the difficulties of, of life have, have made you feel further and further away from God. Other people's experiences is that it's in those difficult times that actually they feel closer to God. Because they have to be more reliant on God and not on themselves. And it's in those times that they discover just how deep their roots go, that they still feel the nourishment. It doesn't mean that everything's resolved and everything's okay, but they're still able to live their life in that relationship with God and Jesus. Roots take time to grow. Roots take time to grow. I don't know about you, but everybody always seems to be in a hurry. Have you noticed that? And there's a sense in which church, we we allow that pattern to come into our church life, don't we? Where so often we're rushing about, we're doing this, we're doing that. Uh, I cringe when people come to see me And they say to me, Richard, I know you're very busy. And and part of me cringe because it makes me realise, you know, that I'm giving this impression that I'm... I'm not saying that I'm not busy. I'm not sat there twiddling my thumbs waiting for people to come. But you know what I mean? We can give this impression that we're so busy. And and so often it's actually true. We do... we, we, We rush here and we rush there. And whenever someone does that, it's a kindly reminder to me to slow down. To stop. You know, because we have got time 
for people and we make time. And, and I say to you, I will always find and make time. So do come and see me if you feel the need. In the story of, uh, of, of Mary and Martha that I'm sure you know uh, very well, Martha is in the same room as Mary and Jesus. But she's not really present with them. You know the story, Martha gets terribly cross. And you can imagine in a cross voice speaking to Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm doing all the work. And sometimes it can feel like that in church, can't it? It can feel, it certainly can from where I'm standing, and it may be from where you're standing, you know, that I'm the one doing all, all the work. And, and you see somebody sat perhaps contemplating, and there's a sense in which you think, if only they'd get, a, get, get off the backside and, and come and help me move the chairs or whatever it is. And there is that sense in ch- that, that, that we, we feel that busyness becomes a replacement for our spiritual, spirituality. And we need to remember that God, you know, has made us to be human beings and not human doings. We're human beings. And sometimes we need, as, as, as Ros has, has so uh, well put in, in, in the fact, this idea of, of retreating and finding space just to be with God. Some of us do need to slow down. Uh, this is what uh, Chris Rogers says. We're a generation of rushers. We want everything immediately and then wonder why life feels so shallow. There's a reason why we feel empty and shallow. We're lacking the one thing we truly need. The one thing we can't rush, pressurize or make happen. The one thing that truly encourages us, empowers us and gives us fulfillment comes from the one person we can't manipulate or trick. And of course that one person is God. I don't know about you, but I've met people that want to make it happen. Or it's not happening fast enough, so they want to give God a nudge because they desperately want God to do something and they want him to do it now. I'll tell you what I've discovered over the years. We don't tell God what to do. We can ask, and of course the whole point of this series is that we can, we, we can ask you know, immeasurably more from God But we don't tell God what to do. And we don't tell God when to do it. We have to learn that ancient art of waiting. And the truth of the matter is, most of us are not very good. How many of you this week have sat at a red traffic light? And... uh, do you ever start to time it? You think I've been sat here, and you start you, you get your you get your phone out. You start to time and think I'm sat at this traffic light, especially where a supermarket has appeared and they've got a four-way system. So you've not just got to wait for for, for one, but each each turn has got each each traffic lane's got to have a turn so that they can get into the supermarket. And you sat there, and you and, and you get so frustrated because you're having to wait a few minutes for a traffic light to change. We're not very patient, are we? Uh, We're always in a rush. We want to make it happen now. And we don't want to wait. And we do need to learn that ancient art of waiting on God. Those who wait on the Lord, their strength will be renewed. We need to wait. Waiting is a symbol for our desperation for immeasurably more. We want immeasurably more. But we need to wait on God for that immeasurably more to come and not demand it now. Of course, 
those of you that have had children will know that, you know, little children can be very demanding and, and teenage children can be very demanding. And I'm hoping that when my children get into the 20s and 30s, they won't be quite so demanding. But it is a sign of, of, of immaturity, isn't it? You know, I want it and I want it now. And sometimes we can be like that in church. You know, I want God to show up right here, right now, because I've made time for God. And so he could at least have a decency of, of making time for me. And, and, and we can get a little bit of above our station. I love the book of Job, you know that. And one of my favorite verses comes when God, Job encounters Job, when, when, when Job encounters God, and God says to him, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? I will question you, and you will answer me. I will question you, and you will answer me. We need to remember that. Waiting's not about doing nothing, though. It is about becoming present to him. It isn't about doing nothing. Sometimes people, you know, can, can, can think, oh, you've just been lazy. Get on with it. You know, break a few doors down. Don't just sit there praying. You need to do something. Well, actually, praying is doing something very valuable. You know, when the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they waited 40 days. They weren't doing nothing in those 40 days. They were praying and doing what Jesus told them to do. Deeper roots in God. Secondly, deeper waters with Jesus. Deeper waters with Jesus. Deeper waters with Jesus. There's lots of images uh, that uh, we find, in, especially in the New Testament, about this idea of going deeper and uh, in deeper waters. In, in Luke 5 and, and verse 4, uh, Jesus has been teaching and he says to Peter as he gets in his boat, you know, put out into deep water, put out into deep water. And as Peter puts out into deeper water, He's amazed at the results because uh, they go out into deeper waters and they have this amazing catch, which again is that symbol and that sign of the immeasurably more that God wants to give us. He wants to give us immeasurably more, but we need to be in the right place at the right time doing what God has told us to do. Deeper waters with Jesus. Also, uh, just staying with, uh, with, with Peter for a moment. Uh, another instance where, where Jesus calls Peter to something deeper. Jesus is, is walking on water. And the disciples, in a sense, they're quite happy to watch. Amazing sight. Jesus is walking on water. Wow. And then Jesus invites Peter to come and join him on the water. And Peter being Peter, of course, he, he jumps out onto the, the, the water. And he's, he's invited to go further than he imagined he ever would do. Peter, in his wildest dreams, would have never imagined that he was going to walk on water. It's that immeasurably more that God wants us to bring us to in Jesus. Deeper waters. And then thirdly and finally... Um, it's about a deeper experience of the Spirit. It's about having a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power. Power? This is the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Together with all the saints, so to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to nourish love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, back in the 70s and, and 80s, you perhaps remember, there was this, this idea that if you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, you weren't a proper Christian. And it was kind of, it was always taught as this is a one-off occasion. Again, what I've uh, discovered is actually, um, I leak. I don't know about you, I leak. I get filled with the Holy Spirit and it, it seems to leak out of me and I need to come back and get more. I went to uh, America last year as part of my uh, sabbatical and one of the great things, one of the things about, about, I love about America is when you buy a cup of coffee, uh, before you've even finished your cup of coffee, somebody turns up and they refill your cup. And, and they just keep on doing this and they don't charge you any more for it. Uh, we perhaps need to, to give this idea to some of our coffee shops who charge you a ridiculous amount of money for a coffee. And if you want another one, uh, they'll charge you even more. But it's this idea that, that it's continually being refilled and we need to be continually refilled by the Holy Spirit in our lives because we do leak. And, and of course... Um, being rooted in, in God, it sounds all very solid and, and you know, that, that sounds good. And, and, and being, going deeper with Jesus, yeah, we, 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 we can go with that. But being, being filled with the Spirit and allowing the Spirit into our lives is, it can be a little bit scary. Because I don't know about you, but, but I, basically I, I, I want to remain in control. I don't like it. You know, I, I'm one of these people that likes to have the remote control. Uh, you know, I like to control the, the volumes and, and, and the channels and stuff like that. I don't always get it in my household because I'm, I've got three women. So, uh, but, but you know what I mean? I, we, we like to be in control. And the Holy Spirit comes in and, and very often causes chaos. And uh, disrupts, uh, you know, our, our nice and neat way of doing things. And we do need this deeper experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We do. And uh, uh, because often we expect less, don't we, if we're honest? We don't expect more. We actually, we've, we've actually uh, grown into a church. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the, the church in general. That actually expects, expects less of God rather than more. We don't really expect the Holy Spirit to turn up. We were talking before about, you know, we can't control it and we can't. We can't demand it. But we perhaps ought to expect it or, you know, want it to happen. And, and we've, we've kind of settled for a, a second best, which is expecting less. And again, uh, Chris Rogers in, in his book, he says this about that. He says, God wants, us, wants so much more for us than being shriveled believers. When we're shriveled, we expect less uh, than what God has to offer. We expect him to be, to do less, be less, and say less. To receive a measure more from God, we must let go of all things we cling to and open ourselves up to letting go, being ridiculous, and allowing God's spirit to free us and fill us to overflowing. I don't know whether there's any Trekkies here this morning. Uh, Star Trek lovers. Uh, but you see, we have a tendency to be Klingons, don't we? Uh, we cling on to things. 
Uh, we cling on to our, our traditions. We cling on to things. We, we cling on to physical things. And we want to desperately cling on to control over what happens. And sometimes we just have to let go and let God. And that can be scary. Um, but when we do that, we open ourselves up to what God wants to do rather than what we would choose to do. It's back to that small image of God where we actually put God in a box and, and we think we know what God's about and what God wants to do and we don't allow God to be who he is, that majestic, that awesome, that powerful, that person that is beyond our knowledge. Well, he sends the Holy Spirit to live within us, to be within us. And we have to open ourselves up more and more to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we find ourselves in the presence of God. Deeper experience of the Spirit is what we require. And so, that's deeper. We want to encourage people to have that roots, deeper roots in God. We want to challenge people, you know, to go out into deeper places, deeper waters with Jesus. And we want to encourage and welcome and be open to that deeper experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives.